Hi, I'm Daniel, and welcome to the very first episode of Taylor. Now, I'm a big consumer of pop music and maybe even a little bit of a Swifty. So when my pop culture averse but media analysis adept friends Emily and Rafe mentioned that they were thinking of finally listening to a Taylor Swift album with the release of Evermore, I knew it was the perfect opportunity to walk two outsiders to the discography of an artist who has reached the pinnacle of both commercial and critical success in Western culture. One album at a time, we ask, what puts her songwriting above her contemporaries? When does her storytelling fall short of believability? Why does the sound of singing in a car getting lost upstate still make me yearn for a guy I otherwise haven't thought of in years? So let's start at the beginning of the story and dive into Taylor's self-titled debut record. Do we want to start by talking about why, why Taylor Swift and what are we hoping to get out of this project what's our goals it's like all i can think about is like the amount of instagram stories mm. i saw of people i know <laughs> who are very excited about first folklore and then evermore um and honestly i just felt a bit envious that i wasn't um you know <laughs> able to 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 get so much um emotional joy and reaction out of these releases i feel like there's like such a um, such a following for Taylor Swift and such a, a, a narrative that I know so little about. Um, and so I'm really excited to try and get into that world a bit and see um, perhaps what I've been missing out on. Definitely, um, specifically, You Belong With Me, Teardrops on My Guitar. I was like, it's me. It's me in a song. Um, Absolutely. And so <laughs> I've appreciated that, like, I did find this moment in my um, uh, adolescence being like, oh, this is super relatable music. Like, I would listen to these songs all the time. And then since then, it's just been more, like, in orbit. And so I feel like there's also, like, this, like, um, personal journey to see if we can, like, kind of come back together Taylor and I. Um, <laughs> I feel that a little bit. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? It's like uh, we've separated for a bit. We went down different roads. It's like, yes, I went to college and didn't listen to any popular music for four entire years. <laughs> <laughs> except for feeling myself back in like 2015. Yeah, except for feeling myself. What a, what a uh, good coincidence that was. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I'm really excited. It's like I've grown as a person. Taylor seems to grow as a person and an artist um and so i'm kind of just interested to see like if if there's going to be the same kind of like resonance that i felt in my in my youth listening to taylor songs Ooh, that definitely hit with me first of all it's like two roads you know diverging in a wood and now they're kind of converging back <laughs> in the woods of folklore and everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> and also i absolutely feel that you know what really got me into taylor was that like she really brings to life that all those chaotic and passionate relationships that you kind of want to have, you want to live through at least once in your life. And yeah. even if you're not experiencing that, you, you can uh, sort of by proxy experience all those highs and lows of the most passionate love you'll ever feel through her music. And that really is part of what emotionally draws me to her beyond her great songwriting. Um, so that, 
that definitely hit home with me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I agree with Emily. Definitely, um, you know, as a as a very early, um, you know, yeah, I agree. Like I, I felt I very much related to a lot of her music as like a middle schooler. Like was really vibing along, um, and I think honestly for me, like I think over the years, like I was saying earlier, like I haven't really listened to a lot of hers not not on purpose. I think I've really been within the kind of like not like skeptic but like I, I don't know like every time I see someone like posting about like their you know obsession with Taylor Swift I'm a little like hmm okay yeah <laughs> um for no reason other than the fact that I I feel like I just was like yeah I've decided that I'm like I'm like not into Taylor Swift <laughs> you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so exactly. I mean I secretly listened to the Red Album for an entire year yeah 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 <laughs> So I think I think I'm excited to like actually go back and like listen to her music for the music and not necessarily like because because she's Taylor like I mean we are listening obviously because she's Taylor Swift but like at the same time I feel like um it's nice to just like be able to like listen to an artist's work and like evaluate it on just like the music and I I have a feeling that I will um as you did Daniel like listen to it and be like, oh, I, I like this. <laughs> um, I um, hope so. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I'm sure there'll be parts that I'm more or less pleased about, but um, I think it'll be an exciting, exciting time, especially because she has really not, not exactly cross genre, but like, you know, she's, she's uh, explored definitely different avenues of her writing style. So there's definitely. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And yeah, I really think that's what this journey is going to be great for, not to be playing too much into the intense skepticism or fanaticism that has sort of followed her, right. to sort of listen to her music um, divorced from the narrative that has surrounded her career and mm -hmm. look at the body of work that, the body of art that has come to define American pop culture and really analyze what's good, what's bad, what works, what doesn't work. I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of things that work considering she's, you know, what nine albums into her career doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. But what is the craftsmanship that goes into making a body of work like that? Because at the center of her career, more than controversy or scandal is the fact that she is this incredible storyteller. Absolutely. And I really want to be able to appreciate that, especially now since there might be a lot of new fans who don't know where to start in her um older catalog or don't know how to sure. access it without all of the narratives surrounding it. So hopefully we'll be able to um, facilitate that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So what we're going to be doing from week to week, or I guess bi-weekly is we're going to start by hearing a little bit about the background of each album. And then we're going to go off and listen to the album and we're going to come back and talk about our thoughts Maybe track by track, maybe as a, an album as a whole. Um, but I guess there's no better place to start than with her debut album, the self-titled Taylor Swift, which is from the year 2006. And I just want to check in with uh, you. How much background do you want before you listen to the album? Maybe, especially for this first one, since there wasn't necessarily like well, that I know of. So it's like scandal and narrative. Um, I, I certainly would be intrigued about 
hearing a little bit about the context. Yeah. I'd hear hear some info. I feel like what I know about it is that it's just a bit more um, of of Taylor's country music. And that's kind of where the context for me stops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that that is definitely true. It is her most country with a capital C record. Mm -hmm. And here, I'll I'll say this. I, before uh, researching it for this conversation, I was had it in my head that this was the closest thing in her discography to an album by committee. There's this sort of narrative that her parents were well-to-do and helped her get into the music industry by buying her writers and producers and all those sorts of things. Mm. Um, But looking into it, it really right from the start is an album that came from her hand. There are, um, you know, this is an album that came out in 2006, I said, and she was 16 years old at the time. The songs were written at 14 and 15 during her freshman year at high school. She is the primary (laughs) writer on every single song on the album. In fact, three of the songs were completely written by her alone. Um, her primary co-write on the record, um, is Liz Rose, um, who had, one other song in the country top 20 before this, but primarily this was her first major project. And her producer was Nathan Chapman, who this was also his first project. And this, they both went on to have illustrious careers, both working with Taylor and in the music industry as a whole. So this was a launching point for at least three people, if not an entire team. (laughs) But, um, you know, Taylor was really at the heart of crafting this album. Um, she was writing, you know, she played guitar as a child and wrote these songs for her friends. And one of the songs on the album, our song, was uh, written for her high school talent show. I pulled this quote from um, her Harvey Mudd College mm-hmm. Songwriters <laughs> concert in 2012 <laughs> that she wrote. She wrote this song for her high school and people loved it. And she said, um, I went to my record label and I said to the guy with the record label, I really think we should put this song on the record because my friends at high school love it. And he was like, now you can't just make all of your decisions about a very serious thing, like an album based on if your high school friends like it or not. And it ended up being our very first number one in country radio. So I guess you can. So I guess you really wow. can. So she's really writing these songs on her own or with one other person at 14 years old. And they're going on to be these huge hits. So right off the bat, when you listen to this album, you know, it's not just her getting handed a bunch of standard country fodder. These are really songs that are coming from her experiences and from her heart um and i think that's all the context i want to to give to you yeah i like that yeah so i guess that's it for this half this um segment if you will this segment this free listen segment and when we reconvene you'll all have listened to at least one Taylor Swift album, which is very exciting. Oh my gosh, the first ever I've listened to all the way. (laughs) It's kind of a a momentous occasion. It really is. (laughs) All right, so I guess I will see you on the other side. Well, looking forward to it. (laughs) Hello? 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 Oh my goodness. Hi. Um, I don't know if this is the official start of the conversation, but this is something that potentially I do want to have on here, which is um, 
and I guess maybe Daniel's is more for you, but did this not kind of bring you back to your days of like music history, like listening assignments of like Vassar College? Absolutely. Like, fully, I was going through the album and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like I'm about to like take notes on a Gregorian chant. It's like, I what's happening? And just like college, I procrastinated until the last minute. I was like, I was doing I'm it last spend- night. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to spend all week enjoying this album, just like, like letting it wash over. No, I started no. Saturday and was like, taking notes until like 20 minutes ago so. it's like this is how quickly my brain reverted back to like what was it was junior year of yeah. college like i was like listening to Taylor Swift's album and i started formulating like a thesis as if i had like an essay on this like <laughs> album in particular like yeah. due in like two days that i, I had like have a thesis to now. <laughs> i was like gosh gosh it's like i gotta differentiate between the ones with narrative and i was like oh, no, no, it's all going so so close to music history sequence i can't handle it i really like i was um, joking last week about assigning myself homework but like this week i was like oh no this this is legitimately homework like in some ways i'm really glad to have structure back back in my life at least a little bit but mm, also it's hard. like oh I've committed to this. I've committed to doing like a deep listen for like at least an hour every week and hopefully more <laughs> if I'm like properly doing my job. Right. And then we have to like sit here and break it down as if I'm like some sort of expert. So like <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So do we want to officially launch into our official discussion? Yes, please. All right. So we're back after a week of listening to Taylor Swift's debut record. And what are our first reactions um having listened to not just a Taylor Swift record but basically a pop record from start to finish in general mm, heard heard um I you know the first note I have I think can apply to the entire album mm-hmm. um it was specifically about Tim McGraw but the the whole album gives me very much like hot summer vibes like it's like Ooh. you're you know what I mean like you're like you're like lying in your yard you're like looking up at the sky and that's that's yeah, those are my thoughts on the album's vibe as a whole. I agree. Um, it's like that nice, like, twilight hour. Like, maybe you're waiting to be, like, called in for dinner. Mm, and, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, you're totally taking me right there. Um, and I think that's um, that says a lot to the images she constructs with her lyricism. It, it's so vivid and takes you to a spe- such a specific moment in your childhood that you might not have even had yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I went into this thinking that probably out of all the Taylor Swift albums, uh, this would not be like my favorite mm-hmm. just because of like, um, I haven't listened to like that much like country music or like country sounding, you know, music. Um, and uh, that said though, it's like, I really enjoyed listening to like the orchestration of this mm-hmm. album. It was like Absolutely. very nice. Um, and like, perhaps it was like, because I was like, as opposed to what I usually do, which is like listen to music, like kind of like, multitasking and doing other things like it was so nice to just like hear this like very beautiful sound constructed across the album and just to like hear the intricacies of like this instrumentation and just like the like album sound in general it was like very pleasant and very surprising I didn't expect to like be so like drawn in musically to like this the world that Taylor put together here I 100% agree there was times when I thought you know maybe she was Still not quite 100% there with the writing, but there were times that the, uh, mm-hmm. the instrumentation, it, it really added extra emotional elements mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been there. Yeah. Otherwise, whether it's like with its own solo line or counterpoint or just like the, the choice of like a, a bass sound was, was like would add, added a lot of character to the songs. And I 100% agree there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
I did know the album up front like pretty well, but I hadn't like done a close listen. So for me, what I was surprised in was, um, first of all, yes, I will agree that she thrives in specificity, and I think she hones in on that talent later mm. in in, in next next albums. Um, yeah. But also, I uh, I'm really used to her in pop in general uh, operating on like a four chord pattern you know mostly it's going to be you know like your one chord your five chord your six chord and your four chord and she uses that a lot in her music especially later on down the road um which doesn't always carry the same functionality that we see in let's say um classical western music theory but um there was what, what i did find was there's a lot of functional harmony there was there was a lot of doo-wop changes which is um you know one to six to four to five and back to one i heard a lot of that in the album and i heard a lot of really great use of dominant prolongation which is sort of um say we're in this is our one chord sometimes it was on a four and a lot of times it was on a five um building up to a chorus and then she would really land on that one for the chorus so she was really thinking about the functionality of her chords when crafting those songs the final thing that I noticed was also she was very concerned about her use of relative keys. So when you have something like D major, there is a set of notes that are in that key. And if you start on a different note, but use all the same notes, it sounds it sounds minor. And so you're able to sort of fluctuate between those two centers in pop music very easily and she was very concerted about when she was um going more major and when she was going more minor so uh do we want to jump in into a track by track analysis is that yeah yeah i feel like that's the way i sort of thought about the album i mean obviously i have some like overarching things but i feel like we've sort of talked a little bit about that but yeah i think i think that would be fun all right let's start with tim mcgraw I feel like this is, like, a really, it was a really strong, like, opener for me. I feel like it, it definitely encapsulates a lot of the the vibe that she's going for in this album. Um, it both has, like, you know, obviously it has this, like, kind of, like, country feel and, like, she's doing, like, the, you know, like, southern accent thing yes. <laughs> that she's doing. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I think it's just, like, a really... Um, it's like an exciting song. Um, and, and I really like that she returns, she does this a a few times throughout the album, not like it's a like crazy original concept that, but she returns to like the opening lyric a lot. I feel like a lot of her songs are very like internal monologue, or at least what I found was that a lot of the songs that I knew from this album were the ones that were very much about like internal, like longing kind of retrospective um about relationships or like about longed for relationships um and i think that the repeating of the the opening lyric really um really did that for me Mm -hmm. yeah i felt i liked a lot like the lyrical structure of like having this kind of like same starting and ending place um because i think it was a very good introduction to just as like to swift as a storyteller in her songs um and like definitely like the tracks that i was like most drawn to were where i like got a very like i mean they all have like a narrative but like the ones where i got like a very like clear structure and like sense of like not just like time passing but just like 
the emotions starting from like point A and like how they travel along the way and like where she ends up at the end of the song, like both like just as you know a a like narrator and as like a musician, it just like made a lot of like sense, kind of like full circle wise. Um, and so I really appreciated that in particular. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I 100% agree with everything you said. This was one of the songs that before this listen for me was sort of middle of the road. Like I knew it, but it didn't really stick around with me. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel a lot of connection to it. And on listening to it and really uh, diving into what makes it work, I it was the standout track for me. It, I completely fell in love with this song this week. Um, and this is one of the songs where I think instrumentation tells a mm-hmm. big part of the storytelling mm. um it starts off very simple um you have it, you know maybe guitar a little bit of banjo and it's literally plucky just like she is at the very beginning of her career um and as the song <laughs> progresses as time progresses you ad- start adding more instrumentation it starts to be more fleshed out and you hear um like th- there's a depth to it both in the story that she's telling and the instrumentation. And so the instrumentation starts to uh, take on the character of the passage of time. And so by the time you get to the end, you start to get this fully uh, fleshed out orchestration and you hear the word, um, when you think happiness, which is something that's been repeated throughout the entire song, you now have this violin added in. So there's a bit of melancholy mm-hmm. and it's not so simple, happy and sad. There's, um, it's bittersweet, it's a mix of emotions. And so throughout this one song, it really encapsulates her journey from naivete to more mature romance and love and experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I, on that note, this is the opening song of the record, and it is also the first single of her entire career. And so I thought beforehand, mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure why this might have been chosen. And now knowing that, I 100% agree that this is the yeah. right way to introduce the world to Taylor Swift. Yeah, I agree. Um, she does this wonderful thing uh, where she sort of makes you wait for the end of lyrics, and you're not sure how they're going to end. There's, um, She says, you know, I was right there. And she sort of makes you wait, like, I was doing what? Or, um, or you know, the, the book that you never read. And you have to wait a second to think, how is this story going to end? What's the next part of this? And that really mm-hmm. draws you in. And th- th- I, I also agree with you, Rafe. I love the repetition of the opening line at the end. And I think that is something that she uses throughout her career. And I think it's especially successful here because at the beginning yeah. you have her saying, uh, that's a lie and it's sort of like her being bashful and being flirted with and at the end that's a lie comes to mean a completely different thing you know it might mean that he was never telling the truth with her um, mm-hmm. and so I, I think it completely changes the character the, how, how you think about the romance in the beginning and on a final part and this is something that was throughout I should have mentioned as a note that happens in the entire album it is so Basically, the entire harmony that is used throughout this album is not just homophony, but specifically male homophony. And for people who don't know what that is, it's uh, another voice that is singing all of the same rhythms as Taylor Swift. So they're singing all the same lyrics as her. They're not doing any different lines, but they're doing it on a different note. And usually, almost always in this album, it's someone lower. And in other pop music, you might hear an artist doubling themselves with their own voice or more people of uh, the same gender as a singer. But something that is very specific to country is the, uh, is, is this type of homophony that is used with uh, uh, usually male, female 
counterpoints. And I didn't know if anyone wanted to comment on that or like how it affected your hearing of the songs. I think that there were definite numbers where I thought it like made more sense to me. And like, mm-hmm. obviously there's like the like, just like recording aspect of it. Like these are the two singers who are singing this part. But in terms of like how much the story kind of was seen for me, it's like, um, like I feel like Tim McGraw was like a very good use of it another one that like made a lot of sense to me was like our song Mm -hmm. and like i liked when i felt like that there was like another voice kind of like coming in and out of like this story Um, and so the the ones where like that aligned i thought were just so effective um just on this like very um all-encompassing way um and so yeah that was my thought on it and it's not not that it didn't work in other things but i just thought that there was like this like awesome harmony that occurred in like a few of the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I definitely think that I, I, I agree, Emily, I think, and I, I, I think probably I was drawn to it because like, as you said, like the times when it made the most sense story wise, and it's like, it's so easy to then just like insert yourself a little further into the narrative of these two people. And, you know, I, I think, you know, definitely coming from like a musical theater background, you're like, aha, right. the tour <laughs> has begun. You're like, you know? we have two like... characters that keep singing. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure uh, of the history of how that came to be so specific to country music, uh, because I know it's not just something that happens in Taylor Swift's music, um, and it is something that sort of goes away as she goes more pop later in her career. But to me, mm-hmm. it almost i'm reminded of like really back to basics folk storytelling something that'd be told around the fire um something that ever there's Mm. like two specific lines that everyone can join in on um i i I don't know if i have a specific thesis about it but i feel Mm. like it has to go back to the the narrative roots of this genre um and she plays into it well so do we want to move on to picture to burn or any last thoughts do it all right Taylor Swift doesn't get her fantasy. She sort of wakes up from the juvenile romance of the first song. Um, what are our immediate the strong, the st- strong entrance? I really, I and I do like that that she she's like, and this gentle like sort of like fireside feel is gone. We're gonna do a strong drums like entrance and like get right into the angst. Um, this is not my favorite song to be quite honest. It's interesting because I do remember liking it more. I think, in my opinion, Just Another Picture to Burn is a fantastic lyric. And then yes. all of the other lyrics in the song, I'm sort of like, ah, you know. I, I think I also noticed, like, it could, it could just be, like, also I noticed that in this song particularly, I was like, ah, so... She's like, I am from the South. I swear. I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, um, I know about rednecks and pickup trucks and banjo. And also my daddy will totally show you. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I think. Um, so do you think it was disingenuous or do you think it needed to well, be that's more specific or what? I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely noted also like she does the little like speak, sing, like shout thing a little, f- a few times. Um, 100%. like the first one I wrote down is like that you would ever love me or whatever. <laughs> that, that whole thing. Good impersonation. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and it all feels a little like, I don't know. Yeah. Not, not disingenuous, but it, it's just, um, 
it's like the the coat doesn't quite fit, but I get like I get it, but it's like I'm not quite in it as much um, as other songs. I I I hear that. Yeah, I I also wrote down <laughs> those sort of spoken sections, like all of your best friends, as like mm-hmm. I think that was a really great way of adding more of her personality to the music instead of just being like I'm gonna Absolutely. sit every note perfectly. But it, it I do hear what you're saying, and I hadn't thought about it before. But it's like she hasn't quite gotten to the point of having her like true heartbreak like that yet. And it's almost like mm-hmm. an aspirational song. Like, Oh, I kind of want my <laughs> life to be this exciting. <laughs> right. I do, It's kind of like almost like a romanticization. Like it's mm-hmm. like this like heightens, like this is the breakup song, you know? Absolutely. Um, I like had a similar, I, I listening to this was like, the lyrics aren't my favorite of the album. Definitely. But interestingly enough, the music, just because I think I also have like listened to like more like rock music in my like background, I was I enjoyed like the music of this track a lot. Um, she's and a little, like, she's like getting a little bit, uh, a little punk rock in there. Yeah. <laughs> a little punk rock. I was like, honestly, I like this. And yeah. I thought it was like, even though like it didn't perhaps like uh, have as much of a journey as like other songs in terms of like, I think that was it for me too. It's like the like the idea of like the the betrayal the heartbreak was like introduced and like that's kind of like the idea for i think it's just a little bit harder like to like like kind of draw that out as much as like other other settings and other like Mm -hmm. ideas for the narrative but um and so like it felt like a little bit more stagnant just like lyrically to me um but that said i thought it was very fun i like really enjoyed listening to it I I 100% agree. Um, it's it's really it's the shortest song on the album. It's kind of the length of pop songs nowadays, which are like two minutes long. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's it's really just a it, you start right off at the at the start and you don't let down any of the energy, which has has its pros and cons. But perhaps in my head, that's why I was thinking of it in concert with Tim McGraw because it they I, to me they sort of played on each other to create a. A deeper narrative um mm. and i'm not sure if that was purposeful i i also uh i i like the shoutiness of it and it was very specifically at the time placed at the top of her range on that like i think it's an a or maybe it's a b uh, uh stupid old pickup drug you never let me drive it's like right at the top where it's almost like she's not singing and she's just like shouting the lyrics mm-hmm. at this person and mm-hmm. for me this almost makes it a, a song that's more fun to perform, I, I don't know, if you're Taylor Swift or at karaoke or whatever, because it's something that you could really <laughs> yeah. get into the character of this song. Um, and I think setting it at, at the top of your range really adds to that, because you don't even really have to be singing. If you're at karaoke, you don't have to be a good singer. You can just shout those notes. And right. you'll, you'll, you'll sell the song. Um, and likewise, there's something that she does a lot later in the career where she has these single note melodies. And this was one of the earliest uh, instances of that. And I think it was really good at, you know, you're you're not really focusing on getting a melodic hook. You're just trying to get into the character, the feeling, uh, and mm. of of the story that she's telling, and trying to pay more attention to the lyrics, e- even if they don't work for everybody. So you know, she's really just staying on that be the stupid old pickup truck. She's just staying there, and you're not really caring about the melody. You just want to shout that home. Um, I agree. I, feel like <laughs> it, I I totally agree, Daniel. I think it it is a song that sort of begs to be. Um, performed, sung along to it. I mean, it, not, you know, obviously like, I don't actually know that what, what I'm thinking of, um, 
Oh, now it's gone from my head. Uh, you drive my key into whatever before he yes, cheats. Yes, um, uh, before he cheats, it's, it's, it's like absolutely that energy um, <laughs> of like it. It almost demands to be like you know, it's like you and six of your friends in like your car, and you're like all like literally just <laughs> screaming. Um, and I've I've definitely done that to this time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it definitely uh, thrives in that setting. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Some other parts of the song that really stood out to me I really want to compliment the banjo player on the bridge that was a killer Mm. solo I don't have any like theoretical like storytelling things to add to it I just thought that they were really showing up and showing out on that banjo (laughs) and a beautiful moment um I also loved the uh in the bridge, there's a bad for your health and then she like slides into it and I think that Mm. was another moment of showing a lot of character and um, mm-hmm. really just like ad- adding drive to the song, which again, this song is just constantly driving and turning along. Um, and I, to me, this is a very cathartic song. And I think it's because like everything she does in the song is adding to that manic feeling between like the shouting register, the the banjo, the, the vocal slides, like everything is just this like explosion of energy in a very short amount of time. And to me, that's why the song is successful. And by the time you get to the end, you have this uh, amazing, the burn, 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 baby, burn, that outro. And it's like, you, you've cleansed yourself of all this anger that's been like b- boiling inside of you. <laughs> Certainly she uh, encapsulated the energy she wanted to on the yeah, song. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that entirely. All right. Do we want to move on to her, not her first single, but her perhaps first big crossover single, Teardrops on My Guitar? What I'll say about this one is that I did not want to listen to it. Oh! Before before I even played it, I was like, I'm almost sure I've listened to this song like 1,000 times somehow, even though I have not listened to it in years. It's like, I'm going to, I know I was like, I'm going to play it and I'm going to feel like I've just listened to it like yesterday. Um, That said... It was very nice. I was like, this is, this is just kind of, I feel like it's like what I think of as kind of like a classic Taylor Swift, Mm -hmm. like piece, you know, it's like you have, you have this, like, you have this, like this longing and this, and this very clear story and this like other character that's like involved, but, but not. And then especially with the, uh second voice coming in on this one, I like liked it in like the indirect way Mm -hmm. of it being like this, like are are they singing together? Are they not in, in terms of like putting a character onto it? Um, and so, yeah, those are some of my thoughts. I think it's a very a very very complete p- song. This one, yeah, in a way, minus like all of the kind of obvious high school vibes, it feels very timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely, I think, is my favorite of her like longing songs on this album. You know, and I think she just you know she just does it really well. I was like, I was like, yeah, I feel that. Like you just see someone walk by and it's like, all right, whatever, <laughs> fine. Did this make, uh, make you think of anyone specific in your past? Uh, I well, it's just very very high school vibes. Like I I think there were, you know, some crushes I had throughout the years that I was like, ah, they've gotten a haircut, you know. <laughs> it's like. All right. If, um, if you survive the haircut, that means that crush is real. <laughs> honestly. Um, and then again, she returns to the first lyric. And I think, especially on this one, the like cyclical um, nature of the, you know, 
being being observed without being um you know part of uh the relationship that she wants to be in it's mm-hmm. like i think that really um speaks a bit more and then also again as you said um is true of tim mcgraw like you also just get a much deeper sense of what that lyric of like drew looks at me i fake a smile but he won't see can't see Right. It's like in that moment of her faking the smile, this whole song, this entire narrative has gone through her head. But yeah, yeah. then you come yeah, exactly. back to the beginning. It's like this whole song has really just been an instant. Um, and I, I think that is what makes this song so successful to me. I mean, I'm going to mm. talk about specific moments I like, but uh, w- when you're yearning for somebody who you really can't have, you don't have a ton of like huge moments or memories shared together all the time. So it's like these really tiny moments that like become so meaningful to you and are so powerful. And you remember years and years later, I mean, even for me, like I, th- this makes me like, <laughs> this makes me think of, you know, guys I knew not high school, but like even earlier than that, like, you know, mm-hmm. junior high or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, this song makes you think about like oh I sat next to this one guy in social studies and sometimes I'd like try to make our our knees brush and it was just oh I I could feel like the electricity between us and oh my gosh he's not moving his knee away does this mean anything and you just like live in that moment of like complete like bliss and heartbreak at the same time and everything is so vivid because everything is your first experience and I think she's so good about finding those very specific moments and putting you back back in that headspace and uh I, I i there's a couple things in the song that i think take you to that place um and the first being uh there's a double verse to be open the to open the song and she says i have to live without and you think she's gonna go into he's the reason for the tear but she doesn't she um she gets to the top of her range and then drops back down to another drew looks um and she sort of pulls herself back so there's that mm. getting flustered getting to the top of your emotions and then realizing oh i can't let myself feel this and sort of pulling it in so she makes you wait mm. to get that uh, explosion of emotion and before she goes into the hole he's a reason she has this um pre-chorus the uh, i bet she's beautiful which um switches to the relative minor so um you get that start to get more of that um heartache that that tinge and then by the time you get into the chorus you get this beautiful uh descending lament bass so in the bottom you have this um he's a reason for the teardrops on my guitar the only one who's got me wishing on a wishing star so it's this nice walk down the scale that really feels like your heart is sighing and i Mm -hmm. i think that was a beautiful instrumentation choice a beautiful uh harmonic choice to uh I, and she uses it other times but there's a lot of heart sighing on the album so i think it pretty much works every time for me yeah. um, <laughs> um i i think this was another moment where she sort of plays with an amount of syllables or rhythm that almost doesn't fit into the verse um like in the second verse she has look in those beautiful eyes and she's almost like rushing to get all of those words and all of that emotion into that one measure and it, it shows that she's, you know, it, it's, it's a moment of personality for you to attach to as a listener um, and also shows a, 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 that level of personality for the character in the song who's singing it, who's getting maybe a little bit more worked up, a little bit more flustered. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and at the end of the song, you know, um, the she sings, 
uh, I fake a smile so he won't see. And she does not resolve it. She sort of ends on the third of the chord instead of the tonic, which is that B flat. Um, so it's it feels um, a little bit unresolved, which is different from the beginning where she sings, I fake a smile so he won't see. So there's still like this, maybe maybe there's potential for something and there's a little bit of uh, an organ underneath it. So it feels almost like a prayer, like maybe something's going to change. Maybe mm -hmm. something's different because we're not, we're not getting to the end of this relationship yet. And right. in general, I just think this is one of those moments where She's so successful because she's so specific and she's fearless to be specific. I mean, we talk about songs sort of like there's a narrator or there's a character speaking and these are characters. But in actuality, Drew was a real life person and these were people <laughs> that she went to school with and this song would be on the radio and then she would be in class with peop th these people that she's singing about. And I, I don't know if at that age I would have that no, much to like, <laughs> I was like ripping out the, you know, I, I was like not even like putting names in my diaries in case somebody read it, like let alone no, putting it into fully. a number one song. <laughs> like I can't even, I'm not like, th there's such, like, you know, her next album is fearless and she's already exhibiting in this album that she is fearless to be open with her emotions and her heart and, and the people that she's interacting with. And I think that's what sets her music a step above her contemporaries and even those much older than her because, again, she was 14, 15 when she was writing this album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think that this is, like, a real perfect example of, like, the, like, relatability that Sosa was able to capture in her lyrics and just, like, how all of us have talked about, like, just how it, like, is able to just resonates with so many people and like how it's like this like very kind of like big unspoken concept that Tess was like just like really like zeroed in on like quite mm -hmm. nicely yeah absolutely and it's <laughs> it, 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 it still works like I could still I, I can mentally be in my car when I listen to the song or I could actually be crying to the song in the car and it still like hits <laughs> just as hard as the first time I heard it and this was definitely the first song I heard of Taylor Swift and I remember I was in the car it, it, fittingly in the car with like my mom and my sister and we're all like oh this is something we're all enjoying and this is something special like mm -hmm. we, we are all you know completely different places in our life but this is all bringing us back to a, a shared moment of uh, hope and heartbreak so, I don't know. This one fully successful. I am. I. I have basically yeah. no complaints about a teardrops on my guitar. I don't know if it's a. It's a, a banger, but an, an emotional banger. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. So, a place in this world. Up front, this is if, in, in musical theater. There's something called an I want song. Um, something. <laughs> this is um, best exemplified by Part of Your World, where you get a solo from the main character, and they tell you. This is what I this is what my what is what I want for my life and this is what my journey in this story is going to be about. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And for me, I was just like, this is her I want song. Like if there's a Taylor Swift musical, this is this is like the third <laughs> song in the show. And this is where like, you know, that mm -hmm. the main actress like goes downstage and belts out, like, I want a place in this world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna say this is the first song that I had not heard on this album. Mm -hmm. Um I mean for in wow um but i heard all those so i just thought that was interesting um i really liked the placement of it i thought it had a really nice a really nice flow from teardrops like it it starts in a very um similar i felt like musical place and then the transition to the chorus um i, I feel like there's more i felt like there was more percussion it was just like uh, as we we 
entered into a, a different um, musical place with with the chorus, which which I thought was nice. Absolutely. I I do see why. I don't know. Like, did it? I I assume that it didn't go as far because I sort of feel like I would have. I think this is the first album track. So mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't sent to radio. There wasn't really she Her, was there was no okay. promotion or anything like that. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense to me. Like I I think that um in terms of what we talked about about specificity being like her her um sparkle shall we say <laughs> this this doesn't quite have it for me in a way um you know mm-hmm. like I agree I, she, she's like I'm just a girl just a girl and I was sort of like yeah like <laughs> you know like sure like I'll I'll give it to you like I I totally get it it has the potential to resonate but I think because there's not that same kind of I mean, not, not that it needs like vulnerability in the same way, but it, it doesn't quite have the same, um, reach in, in that way, I think. Yeah. Especially after teardrops on my guitar, which is really Absolutely, just like, Oh, yeah. let me just like reach into your 13 year old heart <laughs> and pull it out and squeeze it. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I thought it was, I was like, this is a fine song. Um, I remember just the moment that stood out most to me lyrically was when she's like, got the radio on my old blue jeans and I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve. I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, just just uh, really tied it all together there. Um, but I did like nice. very much. I didn't notice that. That's that's so clever. There's <laughs> also a like, yeah, reference like, to old blue jeans in the album. I just thought I'd, it's like, uh, she has to let the people know that she has old blue she's jeans. She's from the critical. <laughs> um, She's a thrifty like, queen. They're old. They're not brand new. This is not American Express. They are vintage Levi's, all right? Vintage Wranglers. Copies <laughs> from a coal mine. All right, go ahead. <laughs> like, I hand-stitched like, every thread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, thinking back on, like, my overall impression of the album, this one doesn't, like, make stand out in a big way to me. But mm. I do, like, just, like, looking over, like, the lyrics, like, appreciate that I'm, like, this is, like, very solid writing here like i do think that like she's still showcasing her ability to like Mm -hmm. kind of very very um succinctly like put into words like these like in writing an i want song it's like to like find nuance in it i feel like is not always like you know something intuitive Mm -hmm. um and that like you can take very general ideas and like, you know, unless you're being like, yes, this is Ariel and she wants to walk on the land with pizza. <laughs> it's like it's like to have an I want song in pop, I feel it can have like just like very like general ideas of like love and like, you know, like a, 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 a purpose. But like, I do appreciate that this still very, feels very tailored. Uh, um, Taylor made. It's like I'm coming for your lyrical game, Taylor. <laughs> um, but I just I just appreciate that. I do like feel like I get a sense of her through the song. Um, even if it doesn't, you know, even if it, this is not a song I'm necessarily going to like listen over to again. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I agree. I agree that, uh, the lyrics are uh, they're perhaps not as poignant as her other, uh, as the first, even the first three songs. But I think what really worked for me in this song was that she was saying, I'm just a girl. And at the same time, she starts to flex some of her more interesting, uh, uh, harmonic and songwriting abilities. So there's a moment, there was an unexpected chord. It was still a chord that was part of the key, but when she goes to, I'm just a girl, I think she goes to like a two, um, which I wasn't personally expecting when I first heard it. And then after that, it moves to like a flat seven, which um, for our 
listeners at home who might not be uh, as well versed in music theory. Um, it's me, we... me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> um, so, uh, in classical Western theory, in our in our normal tuning, we have like uh, uh, a scale has you know, let's say seven notes, and then the top one is repeated. So we have. So those are our notes, but um, in Western standard Western tuning, there are actually um, twelve chromatic notes. So you could actually, even though most songs, most pop songs, stick within those those eight that make up your key, you're able to, if you're um, a well-versed songwriter, able to use any of those notes uh, uh, as you wish if you're using them if you're using them well. And this is the first time on the album that she. Uh, Veers from those standard eight notes, and she goes to that flat seven. So she goes. So I'm just a, I'm just a girl, I'm trying to find a place in this world. And that trying to find a place is the first time in the entire album that she goes from those eight notes and goes into the chromatic twelve, which I thought was um, a really, a really wonderful moment of her saying, "I'm just a girl," but actually, I'm going to do all these really unexpected things. And the first three songs have set you up to expect. Um, these certain chords and these certain chord progressions, but now I'm gonna shake up what you've come to expect. Um, and I think that's well uh, complemented by the chorus. Um, there's a violin, I don't know if anybody knows that, that's working in counterpoint to her her melody. It's doing like basically the same melody, but like a beat back. So it like sort of works like a conversation between her and the violin, if that makes any sense. So she sings and the violin does something and sometimes they're doing the same thing and sometimes they're doing something different, but it's like you have these two uh, two different lines that are working together really well. But that was another great moment of instrumentation. And the, the final thing that was like really unexpected that showed that like she's going to shake up our expectations was in the final chorus. Um, you know, every, every, every other chorus you have like, um, Let's say there's like four beats per measure in a standard pop song. So you have like one, two, three, four, you know, I'm alone. Um, one, two, three, on my own. Two, three, and it's all I know. Um, um, in the final chorus, the chord that brings us into that last chorus happens a little bit before the downbeat of the measure. So it happens after beat four of one measure and before beat one. It comes in right before you would expect it to happen. So it's like you've gotten to this pattern for the chorus two times. You're like, I know when this downbeat is going to fall. But the third time it happens, it happens earlier than you're expecting. So in all those ways, she's saying, I'm just a girl. But secretly in the in the harmonies and the instrumentation, she's actually saying, but I actually do a lot more than what you're expecting <laughs> me to do. Um, and that's, again, maybe the lyrics were all they were cracked up to be, but I thought there was this really nice um, yeah. subtext to the composition. And again, this was another time where uh, I was thinking about the resolution of the song. Um, this is a song that starts on a four chord, so it doesn't start on the, the tonic of the song. I think it's, I don't know what I want. Um, so it starts unresolved, but by the end of the song, we do actually resolve the song on the one chord. Uh, in place in this world. So by the end, she's found that solid ground. She knows what she wants, and even if she can't quite get there now, she has like a plan, and that's her uh, next level songwriting. So, to me, a successful song, even if all the lyrics weren't as specific as they possibly could be. No, I'll give it to you. I'm being convinced. Like, I, I feel like, or, or even more so, I'm like, oh, now I'm going to I'm gonna go back and listen to A Place in This World again. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, Rich testing it from the listener standpoint to be like, so, uh, do I want to listen to this <laughs> <with> now? <laughs> and, and I do. 
I really oh, good. Am. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm convincing somebody. Um, <laughs> so we have to move on to our first track five. Now, at this point, it wasn't an established tradition, but um, the track fives in Taylor Swift's discography are quite special. They're usually the emotional core of the album and are usually, <laughs> they're usually not singles, but are something that are really cherished by the fans. And this is the My very God. first one of her career. So who would like to open the discussion on our first track five, Cold As You? Mm. <laughs> I I was very intrigued by um, the introduction of the piano, which is which is something that we hadn't really heard a lot of. Um, to my recollection at the time, um, throughout the album before, or at least in such prominence in the opening. I wrote, I've written down the lyric, you do what you want because I'm not what you wanted. I think, mm. I think Cold As You stands, stands in a place where it's, um, for me, again, somehow it doesn't resonate with me as much. Um, and I, I've written down that I, I think I associate my attachment to the longing songs. And so I, I think in general, I didn't slash still don't vibe as quite as much with the like failed relationship songs until, and although this is contrary to the fact that I've said, I don't really like picture to burn, but I will say that like, I feel like when you take it beyond to the point where it's like the same kind of, you know, it's not like I've had a, a relationship in the way that, um, you know, picture to burn or, um, before he cheats, takes right. you too but like we can all we can all go there like you know um well speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> um cold as you i don't know i was sort of like yeah i guess yeah. <laughs> cold as, i don't know go I, I feel like i don't have a lot of interesting thoughts about this one no um, i i i want to add to your point about the beginning i was also really drawn in by the beginning because you have the um does it uh, uh, you have this like mm -hmm. it was a very um, lacrimose instrumentation and introduction. Um, and then when she enters the song, she, the first, the opening lyric is, uh, you have a way of coming easily to me. And it's like, oh, so maybe this is like a love song. Is this happy? Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. there's this, um, uh, disparity between the instrumentation and the lyric. And then the, um, the lyric that immediately follows that is, and when you take, you take the very best of me. And it's like, oh, yeah. That's that's emotional wallop. So this is going to be something completely devastating, and I wasn't yeah. sure at first, but now I know this is going to be a, a heartbreaker of a song. <laughs> so I, I think that's also like what makes the the introduction so uh, enticing to me. I agree. I, I I like that. I appreciate that. Like the tone of this one is just like so still like distinctly different from all the other ones. That there's this like, as opposed to like picture to burn and teardrops on my guitar. There's kind of like this like middle Reserve. round of yeah of like yeah wow okay no sure this mm -hmm. is this is what it's going to be and it's like it was very just interesting to me like when i was like bopping along to like the chorus later and i was like oh but it's like sad but i am like fully bopping right <laughs> <laughs> an emotional uh, bop <laughs> yeah. she's colder you know uh, well i just i just liked that like Again, it's, like, there is this, like, uh, concrete way of, like, putting me in, like, the setting of, like, what this, like, specific dynamic is between these, like, two people in the story um, that I thought was was very effective in being, like, ah, so it's, like, there there's, like, a lot of, like, reflection and, like, looking back on this relationship in this song 
Mm. Um, which I think is like very nice, as opposed to like Teardrops from My Guitar, where you feel like you're very in it and like pictures burn where it's like a fresh, like a wound still open and everything. This one feels like, oh, like it had to happen this way, I suppose, but mm-hmm. you know, would have liked if it didn't. Um, and I just appreciate <laughs> that it was like a very different idea so far. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, um, something she'll use much more later in her discography is the use of uh, colors as symbolism. And this was the first time we get a color in the song. Um, she says, um, you paint them all, a, uh, you put up your walls and you paint them all a shade of gray. And I think this song in general uh, was a very gray song, which I don't know, might sound negative, but to me, I think it was still very successful. No, but yeah. it was like a very um, resolute song. You're kind of settled yeah. into this um, deeper set. Like it's not a fiery, not like raging. Yeah, it's not yeah. raw. It's like, this is something that's happened to me that's sad. And I, I'm, I've accepted that, but it is still something that is hurtful and I sort of carry around, um, even if it's not as immediate as it used to be. I totally agree with yeah. that. Um, and I think this was another great use of pointed uh, relative major versus minor. Um, so she has the, um, uh, now that I'm standing here thinking it through, I've never been anywhere as cold as, and you would expect her to go back to you, which is the key of the song, but she goes, um, as cold as you. And you have that melodic hook, mm-hmm. but now it's over the the sadder, the minor version of it. Um, so she's like, again, settling into that more long-term uh, sadness about this relationship. And you hear that in the harmonies. Um, I also think one of my favorite lyrics in this song um, is also weirdly one of the clunkiest. <laughs> like, um, uh, I, there's a moment in the second verse where she says, uh, uh, and you come away with a great little story of a mess of a dreamer with the nerve to adore mm-hmm. you, which on its own, I was like, that really hits home with me. Where It's like, oh yeah, like mm. I, I'm, I'm allowed to be uh, passionate and want more for this. Like I'm not at fault for like wanting, uh, you know, support and passion and fire in a relationship. Um, but it's also really clunky because somehow she make that like she convinces you that's a rhyme like a great little story of a mess of a dreamer with the nerve to like story and you are set up to rhyme and she sort of like slides the vowels so they kind of sound similar but absolutely not. <laughs> um i thought it's like story and a door like oh i could see that yeah 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 i i guess there's like that internal rhyme yeah the, the two know. lines before it's very much like it's the last word, and it's the la- the last words are the one that rhyme. And this one, I I I I see that um, story, adore, yeah, it it, it works. I mean, it w- <laughs> I think your point still stands. But. Yeah, I was like, um, well, yeah. I feel like this is one of the times where she got the emotion of it, but it wasn't the most. Yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 she wasn't operating on all quite all cylinders there because it doesn't quite work as like a songwriting thing. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but one thing I did think that was really successful in the song is during the bridge, she sings the word um, cried several times, and she sings it like she's actually crying. She sings, cry, cry, and you actually hear that, like, uh, the, the portmanteau or the way she slides down on the word, and she's, she's very um, purposefully doing that to make it sound like she's crying because the next time the rhyme comes along, uh, along it's on the word died, and she just sings that very on the mm. one note and very mm. matter-of-factly. So you have cry versus die, which is very matter-of-fact, and, like, it actually has died. So both of those are 
the delivery of the line itself both encapsulate that the word the word that she's singing and i thought that was a a wonderful moment of songwriting and the final thing that i thought was uh, really great was the switch up of the lyric for the final chorus she has every smile you fake is so condescending counting all the scars you've made and what you should be counting are all the cuss sounds in that because it really allows her to spit out the words and spit out the emotion before earlier in the song she might be more accepting of the sadness but towards the end mm-hmm. you actually get you get that she's still like she's kind of actively angry about this a little bit and she still she still feels the hurt of it and through the like the use of all those cuss sounds in that verse she drives home that emotion in her delivery i also liked um was there like i don't know i've written other instruments and i think what i meant by that was um am i hearing a was it a xylophone a marin- like a what's the other oh, one? what's the the, the uh, little the little one Oh, kalimba? No, it's um. Oh, the Celeste. Not to make a niche reference to Emily, but Emily, it's the one that George brought to the recording session. Oh, the Glockenspiel. Oh, the Glockenspiel Glockenspiel on this. Um, I I just thought I heard some like. Well, if there wasn't, I think I hear a bell tone. Yeah, let's call it. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Let's call the bell tone. My all to say that I think it adds to like the the wintry um, aesthetic, Mm. like this sort of not hollow, but just like, um, you know, clear and like ringing, but like higher register. I think it added something really nice to the, to the orchestration of this, um, whatever instrument that was. I have to go back and listen to that because I, in my years of listening to the song, have never noticed any sort of percussive bell sounds. Um, and I'm, I, where it did not have been this song? I, no, I do feel like I remember hearing at one point, like an off, like a far away, like chiming sound. Okay, and great. I was like, Oh, hi. You I don't what? remember who was in that. Double right. down, double down. Yeah. My money's on Glockenspiel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Is it in the bridge? Is it in the chorus? Where, where should we tell you? Couldn't tell you how, how fun is that. <laughs> this is Taylor Swift's first Easter egg. <laughs> um, I'm, it's like you should be grateful that I've gotten it from writing other instruments. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> all right. So, the outside is our all next right. track. Oh, Emily, I have to raise a point to begin with, and this is an embarrassing point, perhaps, but I don't understand lyrically what's happening here, and you perhaps. Love it. Either no 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 I don't get it okay it's like hear me Evan Hansen out. It's, go on. it's it's how can I ever try to be better? Nobody mm, ever one. lets me in. I actually skipping wrote a line. that down as a um as something that resonated with me just for for context. No 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 it's like it's listen it's like just a like a logic tracking no, thing. Wait how does so, it not work? <laughs> okay no, ahead, no no but hear me out hear me out. Nobody ever lets me in. Skipping a line on the I've, outside looking in. I've, I've been a lot been, of lonely places. Yeah. I've never been on the outside. Have you never been on the outside, or have Beforehand. you always been on the Until outside? now. Until now. <laughs> She's like, till I'm now. very confused. I well, always also, got by also I mean? in like in in conversation with a place in okay, this world, I find it hard to believe that what never been on the outside <laughs> looking for a place in this world. I don't understand. I I'm did, confused. Yeah. It's like it's like the logic from Death the outside. The I was there are different so, characters speaking. Yeah. This I was so distracted by this tracking <laughs> so of funny. when and when not the the singer was the the speaker was in or on the outside, and I, it it consumed my thoughts for this entire song. 
Yeah. Also, it's like I don't know the phrase. I've never been on the outside. It just in general, I was like, I think "What I, does this mean?" Like, I, I've never been on the outside. Well, okay. So here, so I I had a similar thought, and I said, you know, I've even written. Um, well, I just had a similar thought. Um, but that, <laughs> I moved on from it. Um, unlike some people. Um, but <laughs> I think wow. I, I mean I think I think it's like you know. Not, not this is like a universal or, or unique, like universally relatable feeling, but if you have, you know, at least like gotten by and like never been like the one person ostracized, um, I know that's uh, uh, an early memory for some of us, but that's a point for you. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it can be. I, I, I really liked this because it, it, it in terms of like it, it made me think a lot about or like I think I think it conjures like the first big mistake that you make that like, mm. you know, like mm. I, I, it even could be like, I don't know, I, I'm truly spitballing, but I, I it's now making me think of like, OK, it's like the first time like you've really disappointed your parents. Um, and it's like, you know, to to like. And then, and then if they, and then, if, and then if you like have gone too far, you know, it's like, how can I, what'd she say? How, how can I try to be better when no one lets me in? And I, I know that's not what she's talking about, but I think it's this, the idea of like, well, how can I come back from something or how can I, um, whatever, if, if no one's like, if I'm just like out here now, you know? I guess. Is there like a I mean- specific, um, <laughs> memory you're thinking of that it reminds you of? I suppose there have been times in my life, definitely when when I when I had that kind of interaction with um, with my parents. Definitely, like I I've had, you know, like the first time, like they were like, you know, not, I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but the first time that they were ever like really disappointed with me. I think you know, it's like, God, like mm-hmm. I I don't like it here, like <laughs> like you know, like I. Uh, you know, you I don't you've know. never I... been anywhere as cold as there. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough. No, fair enough. Yeah. Companion um, piece, if there ever was one. <laughs> that is what, exactly what I was going to say. Is yeah. this a companion piece? <laughs> because <laughs> because yeah. the outside is the exact like the same key as cold as you, and it sounds mm. like they are working in conversation to each other, but I did not have any sort of lyrical narrative that tied the two together. But to mm. me, they, like very much it uh, transitions from uh, cold, uh, uh, cold as you, or whatever it is, uh, um, uh, and then it goes um, right into the... Whatever that hook is. The groove of this song. It's really groovy. But it's like the same chords and the same key as the last song. And I'm like, are mm-hmm. we supposed to hear them as one? Is there a meta narrative mm-hmm. happening? And I didn't hear one, but I didn't know if anybody else saw that. And you know what? Maybe we just found it. <laughs> Maybe we just found it. Um, I think that very, very easily could be it. Um, I think musically, like I really, I did really love what was happening. The groove especially was and like the percussion working mm-hmm. together like it it it, it, it much it. excited me um i did say i what i've written down is that i'm not entirely sure if for me the um the lyric like the angst of the lyrics quite matches like the groove of the song like it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. like i feel like cold as you if we're going to talk about them in in conversation i think cold of as you does a really good job of like being in the same place musically as the lyrics and just like the general 
yeah, like sentiment of the song is. Mm. And I didn't quite know if this one was, did that for me, but that being said, it, it was, um, one of my favorite tracks at this point in my listening. Yeah. So, Mm. and also kind of, at least at the beginning, like the least country, like this is like an upbeat Mm -hmm. kind of like pop rock song. So (laughs) maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Um, actually I think the most country thing for me was my favorite, um, my favorite part of the song, which was in the instrumental bridge, there's like a really like growly, gnarly bass solo that I just thought was mm. like the sound of it was so like so much grittier than anything we'd heard on the album. And I thought that was like that was one of the few moments where the instrumentation matched the angst of the lyric and I thought was mm. acoustically something we hadn't heard before. So that was really exciting to me to hear. However, I thought the song was probably one of my least I didn't attach to it as much and I didn't think it was as successful because it wasn't as, um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't as specific and there Mm. was no lyrical bridge, which to me made the song feel just that much more unfinished. I agree. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. This is definitely another one that, you know, definitely left to the album, not, not pushed the radio. And I, I can see why this is not Mm -hmm. for me the most successful song on the album, but it is a groove. Like when it comes in after cold as you, it's like, okay, we're Mm -hmm. we're feeling the vibe again. Yeah. 100%. I'm still still not um, perhaps convinced on some of the lyrics. Are you kidding? <laughs> I just, I just, and, and maybe it's just because I just happen to not find it as, I, I, I think perhaps I like find maybe things relatable inversely to what you said, Rafe, in that like the idea of like never being on the outside is like, not as relatable to me, but like the idea of them, like okay, popular. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no but like no, like I'm like yeah. How can you like what never been on the outside? But then like the like how the idea of like being like removed from the inside and then finding yourself on the outside, I guess, is just like a harder kind of concept for me to like grasp. And because of that, maybe it's like not as coming easily to me in the way it's put in this song. Mm-hmm. I think the lyrics make sense. I just don't think they're that great. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it is a bop, though. And so, like, yeah. you know, I mean, definite points for bop. Taylor's, like, re-recording all of her discography now up until, what, up, up until Lovers, so I think. Yes, so I maybe this one, bored. yeah, maybe this one is due for, like, a little bit of a rewrite even. It's not, like... Yeah. You know, it's not like that many people heard it before, probably. So it's, it's, it's not like a big hit. So I think she's welcome to add some new lyrics to a, a good groove. So the outside, a, a, a bop, uh, but uh, an emotional bop. Not for me, maybe for Rafe, but not for Emily and me. Emily's actually not, just, she's on the outside I, I really of the liked song. I the music. I think I agree with you, Daniel. I think the lyrics were sort of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, moving on to the next song, Tied Together with uh, a Smile. And for me, I, I was immediately drawn into her experimentation with her lower register, which was like still pretty undeveloped for this age, but I thought it was like a nice showing of where she'll go much, much later in her career. And I thought it was a nice change. Uh, it added, like, even though it wasn't fully developed, it was a very intimate and vulnerable. Uh, performance of the song especially at the, the very beginning i really liked the song um Ooh. i think i really liked a lot of the lyrics in it um I, i'm gonna read you nine notes and you know what i 
I have no idea why I wrote this like now in retrospect because I can't <laughs> really remember how the beginning of the song sounds. But I've written yeah. okay acceptance song. This is a reference to the prom, I assume. Yeah. Does that make sense to anyone? <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> the song at the truck rally. Yeah, the you know it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh, oh, the 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 beauty. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's got to be it. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the. Um, the, these are just some small things. I really liked the, what I've written is the true you chord slash vocal progression. I don't, I think that's very early in the beginning of the song. Um, I'll say I really liked, I, I, focusing on some lyrics that I've written down, I really liked like tied together with a smile, but you're coming undone. That's yeah. just like, I don't know, somehow that like really, that, that fixed a very firm image in my mind. Um, and mm. even like the like, um, I'm giving away like my love or something about like giving away. I don't know if it's her love, but you must really like love or whatever. Like you're giving away like extra change. I, I thought all mm-hmm. of it was like very indicative of this like kind of desperation to be wanted that she captures also in, you know, obviously more, perhaps more iconically in teardrops on my guitar and others. But I really liked that. I particularly love the chorus of mm. this one, um, specifically rhythmically. Like I love like the I believe quarter note triplets. I think it might have been in the not be the golden one section. Um, might but be anyway, the golden one. Yeah, yeah, those are triplets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That like was Memory very pleasant fails. to me. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, like this is like very just like very intriguing to listen to. Um, and I just like like the like I don't know imagery of it all um all together i was like this is just like a very fun song to listen to musically for me mm-hmm. i didn't like this one I, uh, i'm starting to think that maybe it's because i i'm never tied together with a smile pretty much if i'm upset the whole world is going to know so i i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I, I i guess maybe it's just not relatable for me i was like you know what this song it doesn't lack any specificity. It doesn't resonate with me. I'm writing this one off. Um, but but I'm, I seem to be the one outvoted. I thought there was, like, lots of nice plucky instrumentation, but, like, like, like literal, like, plucking of various guitars yeah. and things. I thought that was very beautiful, but, like, lyrically, I was like, meh. I, I could take or leave this song. Well, yeah. No, actually, I ha- well, I was um, l- reading along with the text mm-hmm. while I was listening to it. Um and I sometimes when I read ahead, mm-hmm. which I do often, I'm like, I wonder how this is going to be set. And having that in my mind, I was like, oh, this was I do like like the way how it was. I was like, this is a pleasant surprise. This is like I feel like the best way to like, you know, incorporate these lyrics. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I maybe came into like a different angle of being like, how is she going to get out of this one? <laughs> <laughs> Altogether, like my my hearing of the lyrics was just like very like cascading. I was mm. like, I'm not really getting stuck on any like thing too quickly. And so for me, it just felt very like fluid. Um, the the text and the setting and everything. Um, something I will say that I, I liked that it seems like Rafe, you were also getting at was like the, what was the best thing about the song for me was the instrumentation and the first part of that for me the first instance of that was after the second chorus there was she was uh, singing these uh, melismas I think they were like undone uh, something like that and there was like some fiddle or violin embellishments and I thought those um, played together really well and carried the emotion more than the lyrics uh, themselves um, so was there a specific ins- instance that you were thinking of? Um, there were just a few times where there was some like, like delayed, like, I don't know if you would like call it just like a lot of reverb or like a specific yeah. like delayed echo on like, um, certain 
I think I, I've written tied is where I heard it. Is there a, like a, the word tied, like tied as in tying? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Um, there, there were just like a few times where it was like, like a full, I don't know, m- maybe not a full second. Anyways, it was like a very firmly delayed word or two, um, that I, I thought just really added to the wistfulness and the, and then, um, you know, tied, tied together also with, um, the fiddle, um, mm. of that, like, just like, just like yeah, I, I think that really added to like the wistful nature of the end of the song. Oh yeah, I thought the end was absolutely my favorite part as well. And um, I I didn't notice the reverb. I'm gonna have to go listen to that specifically. Mm-hmm. But um, I I thought that the outro was another great instance of like guitar sounds and how those were kind of like weeping and lacrimose as well. And that again, carried more of the emotion than anything else in the song for me. So I agree that, like, mm-hmm. by the end of the song, you're you're at least fully sold on the emotional place that she's bringing you, whether it's through the instrumentation or the lyrics. Not yeah. necessarily both for me, but one or the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. That brings us to um, Stay Beautiful, which was, like, the last of the run of songs that didn't quite hit home for me. But um, I really like Stay Beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not, not to come from the from the opposite side on these last few, but I was like, this is I feel like just like a very, I don't know, very sweet, very like I like I appreciate a lot the sentiments that were captured in this one, and that like these I think of these two kind of as like a companion piece, if you will, mm. um, especially like the way in which there is this like other okay, so you have like the the narrator, the singer primary singer Mm -hmm. and then you have the secondary singer and then both like communicating with this third person and in like wait so is the other singer not Corey is the other singer Corey I didn't read the other singer as Corey what I like read in both of these is like this like community like bolstering of this other person and so like both of these read as like very warm and very like full Mm -hmm. to me like that there is this like I don't know that they're that they're these two voices like like taking the time to like reach out and like brighten up and like recognize these people. I just find that to be like a very nice sentiment and a very like nice picture in my head is like formed when I listened to these two songs next to each other. I'll say for me, this one really um, it was it was quite the journey because I I, my notes are as follows. I've said extra country and then i've said no this is not for me and i said i I said it's too boppy for me somehow um and then suddenly i was like i mean i kind of like the sentiment because it's nice to have like a a kind of longing song that's sort of like well like I, i really like you and um like i hope this happens for us but like if it doesn't no hard feelings like no worries like truly i hope like you have an amazing life um and then I've written, okay, I changed my mind. This is cute. So it, it turned around. It was cute. Um, I also thought there was this, like, melody in the end. Um, mm. I've written the dum-dum-dum-dum melody in the strings at the end. Um, we'll all know what I mean. Is It felt very, like, Mamma Mia to me. Like, there was just, like, I don't oh. know why I kept hearing something from Mom. It must have been, like, mm. I don't know. Dun. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was anymore. But I was like, I was like, I won't remember it. And then it happened like four more times. And I was like, okay, I'll remember it. And I don't remember it. So um, <laughs> you're welcome. Another nugget of wisdom from me. That was also a journey for me. Just listening to that explanation of the strings. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm really intrigued. I have to go back and listen to it. And also just you're saying it was boppy. Um, it's just now occurring to me. Is this song swung? I'm trying to remember now. Um, is this like the first instance of like a country like swing? It's all swung, I would yeah. say. Which um, in pop music you have even uh, eighth notes. Okay, so, so if you have like one, two, three, four, you would break that down into like if, if you want to like get halfway between between those beats, you would break it down into eighth notes that are like one and two and three and four and um, and uh, swinging them is sort of pulling from a different type of rhythmic feel that is often found in jazz or perhaps even country. I'm not even as sure about that uh, history, but you would have one and two and three and four and one and two and three. You would have it. So it's, uh, it has a little bit more of a weight on different parts of, of the beat. And this, it, it, this uh, to me, it was just interesting to hear that change from the standard um, straight eighths that you've been hearing for the rest of the album um, that I didn't even notice until Ray pointed out that it was kind of bobby and in my head that uh, <laughs> that that translated to is this song perhaps swelling <laughs> um, but I think I think it is you have a little bit of that one and two when Corey's I think it has a little bit of that but um for me, I liked, I liked, uh, it still wasn't the most successful song, but I, I like to return the specificity with like the name right up at the top. It's like we have a couple songs on the row where it's like, we're not really talking about anyone specifically. And this one is like, okay, Corey, this is another guy in her class in high school. I'm like right back in that moment. Right. Um, and I, there was a really great technique she had in the verse that uh, she was not every single time the melody came around, but um, uh, she, kind of forward phrased some of her notes so um she has melody da 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 and um like on the words um watch him as he's walking home and the chords sort of change at alternating times as her so um watch him as he's walking home and she sort of gets there right before the chord and so they alternate a little bit and i thought that added a little bit of like forward momentum and like a little bit of push and pull that happens also on um words that nobody knows and like she comes in a little bit beforehand and she doesn't do that all the time in the song so it was like an interesting way of diversifying her her verses um i thought that was a really great moment and the thing that, to me that was like music theory like most interesting um um she has this like major um does he know she has a major two which normally would go to like um five um and then back to one but it doesn't go there it goes um uh, does he know da, da, da. it goes to four which is like basically that's uh, I, I i don't want to get into the whole like music theory of why that's interesting but like you normally don't hear those chords used in that way and i was wondering if anybody else noticed that or had an idea of why she might have chosen that progression which is like really something unique uh for this album and her discography in general it was another one of the times where it kind of like place in the world where she's showing off she's like oh i'm going to do things that you don't expect but I'm also going to make it so boppy and fun that you're not even going to, like, it doesn't even sound weird. It just is like, oh, of course this is where the song goes. But if you, like, stop to break it down, it's like, oh, this is actually really weird. Uh, the other sort of harmonically, it, it, it's all chords in the key, but something else that I thought was really a, a great marriage of the lyrics and the harmony was, um, I think it's I Hope Your Life Leads You Back to My Door and um, 
But if it don't, so, um, lead you back to my door. But if it don't, and lead, um, when we talk about, like, chords, usually chords lead from one to the next, and, um, this is, like, a four, which would lead to, like, a five, and then leads back to one. And she's literally singing the word leads, but that isn't where it goes. Um, it's, you know, she sings, leads you back to, leads you back to my door, but if it don't, stay beautiful. And it goes back to four, and it doesn't resolve. So it isn't, it literally isn't leading where you think it's going to lead, and she's also singing about... I hope your life leads this way, but I it also might not go that way. It might not go the way you expect. And the chords are telling the same story. So, and then you have this really satisfying moment where um uh, leads you back to my door, but if it don't say beautiful, and she holds that same note, oh, and it the chords change as she's holding that same note. Um, so eventually the chords come back to where you expect, but it's while she's holding a note and there's tension and release, and it's not when you think it's going to happen. So there's this whole like, if you want to. Think about in terms of the story, there's this whole like subtext happening about whether or not life is going to lead him back to her door. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful analysis. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> a final thing I noticed in this song, it, it didn't quite happen, but um, one of Taylor Swift's uh, signature writing uh, techniques is something that's been coined the T-drop um, by, or the, the, the Swiftian suspension by the host of the Switched on Pop podcast. Um, and that is um, most iconically used in the um, the melody of You Belong With Me. Um, so, C, E, you belong with me, E, you belong with me. So there's a lot of times in her uh, oeuvre where she, go, she does that like four, three, six or four three one and you get that tension um there's again a little bit of that heartstring pull that's also happening in the music because of that sort of tension um and that doesn't quite happen in this song or even in this album at all but their ad-libs at the end of stay beautiful that get really really close of being her first t-drop in her discography and i was like oh we have a proto t-drop she's so close <laughs> to getting her like signature sound in um and i'm definitely gonna be pointing out a lot more of those as we get to the next albums but this one was like oh if you just like if, if you're just like a hair sharper on that note we would have the perfect t-drop <laughs> uh, but it's definitely something that might be rattling around in the back of her brain it's just a little bit un uh not quite as refined as it is later on in her career um mm -hmm. so stay beautiful um a bop, um, definitely some really interesting harmonic things happening that support the narrative. And uh, this wasn't my favorite song, but in general, I think it's a successful song. And we all seem to say we like it. It's like, you're really going to be someone? What a beautiful lyric. Yeah. <laughs> this really is a song for Emily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just like it. So that brings me to, I don't know, maybe maybe my favorite song of the record should have said no. First off, do we like it? Do we not like it? Immediate impression. I like it, definitely. Emily? No. It's fine. Oh my god, I really it's thought... not my favorite. I thought <laughs> you were going to like this. I To me, this is the successful version of Picture to Burn, so I was like, Absolutely. oh my gosh, if she likes Picture to Burn, she's going to love Should Have Said No. So 100%. I I feel like lyrically, this one is definitely stronger than Picture to Burn. Mm -hmm. Musically, I just I just uh, didn't get into it as much. Here's what I've written for, <laughs> for our listeners. I've written in my notes, ah, she's gotten me again. Like, I cannot, I can simply just imagine jamming to this. You can't not jam. The chorus slaps. That's what I've written. I, if you can believe, I did not jam. Also, the I, end I somehow should. reminds me of, a, like, a musical theater song, but I think I'm just thinking of... My, maybe lyrically, I'm thinking of 
I say no from the mm. updated version of Heather's. Oh, mm. great. That's I think I'm... this is a very, if we were talking about performance, this is a very both mm. theatrical and punk rock song. So I'm like, this is completely up your alley. Like when she, like the, when she promoted it, it was like, she had a tearaway black hoodie that like, t- like tore into a dress. And then she was like singing in the rain. And it was like, she was whipping her hair around in the water. And it's just like a whole experience. And then she takes the last chorus up. So it's, you should have said no, you should have gone home. And which I always think is on the record, but unfortunately it's not. Um, maybe if it was, you yeah. would like it more. But I was, I'm just shocked and um, agog and aghast that it did not go home <laughs> for you. Um, I know. I, I don't know exactly what didn't work for me. It's like, maybe it's like Did the angsty fiddle not do it for you? What What did you want from it? It's like, no, no. In spite of the angsty fiddle, I didn't heard. love it somehow. Um, it's like sometimes there's just like a melodic line and it's just not for you. Mm, and I feel like in enough. this case, there is a melodic line and it just... It just happened to not be for me. It didn't click. Wow. Um, that said, it, it has a lot of emotion and energy, which I really appreciate. I feel like that's when I... Um, that's what you say when you don't like most. something. Oh, it had a, you had a lot of energy. Yeah, that's not a compliment. It had a lot of character. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just it's just like... Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's like great. It's like one of those songs that you're like, this is like for sure a great song. Um, and it just somehow in in the in the way it entered into my mind and saved in my mind for later to mm-hmm. audiate at my leisure, it was just it just it just wasn't um, wasn't enticing. Is that okay to say? No, it's not okay. Right. And here's why. Here's here's why it's the better version of um, uh, picture of her. First of all, it has the levels. Like it's not a hundred percent raging all the way, which is like it works for some people, but it's like. This, you appreciate the rage more because there are the restrained moments of it. A lot of songs today, you get a little snippet of the chorus before you go into the first verse just um, as like a, a taste for what the song is going to sound like, basically, so you don't skip it in your mm-hmm. Spotify playlist. But this, um, you get the same thing here, but it's only instrumental, which I thought was like really ahead of its time and really interesting. But you have that like... Like right and, and instrumentation right up top, so you get a little hint of what the chorus is gonna sound like. Um, in the verse, you have that like descending bass, um, um, and it's like it sounds like you're sort of like plodding along, like dragging your feet in the mud, kind of defeated. And then you get this like really um, satisfying explosion into the chorus. Um, and part of why that works for me is something that she's used a lot on the. Uh, on the album is that she sets it up with uh, a dominant suspension um, and she like hangs out on these chords that like are like okay we know there's going to be a one coming when is it happening when is it happening we're not really resolved and then you should have said no you should have said no you should have thought twice like it's really satisfying because it's building up this building up building up this tension and this um again the sadness that explodes into like a rage for the chorus I think I agree one thing that I noted about this song is I think it has, I think it has, has qualities actually of the kind of energy of, um, cold as you in that Mm. she's like, she's not even, she's like, I, I think the sentiment is sort of like, I really wish that you wouldn't make me have to like go through all this energy, like use all this energy to like be angry with you and like do this right now, but you've done it. So here I go. You know, it's like, yes. it's not like heartache. It's not like, you know, it's just like, you knew the consequences and here they are. Here are the consequences and I have to do it. So sorry. 
Yeah, you know? exactly. Which I think is a much more, um, I mean, obviously it's like, we get the specifics of like cheating and, and everything like that, but it, it feels a lot more of a grown up response in a way. Like not that yeah. she's not like, not, not that it's necessarily grown up to like be vindictive or whatever, but that putting that aside, it's like a much more like, wow, you really like you've, you've made a mistake. Why did you do that? You know, what mistakes are, you know? And, and for me, it feels a lot more sophisticated of a narrative in a way. So I appreciated I, um, that. No, I definitely agree Growing that it's grown up. And it's like banger. now that it's, <laughs> it is a banger. And like, now that it's like getting older and like having lived through the experiences, I'm not like, Oh, it's not like, like she was just like making up how this would feel. It's like, yep. Like 10, mm. however many, what is it? Thir- 14 years since this album has been released. It's like, yeah. Mm. There's a, the, the emotional truth. It, it's still there to add to the banger part. I was also going to say during the chorus, there's these like um, two really, really satisfying power chords. I um, should have thought twice for you. Let it all go. You should have known the word. That part specifically is so satisfying. Um, and it's like interesting because you land on this relative major. You should have thought twice for you. Let it all go. And it's I don't know. You would think like in a song like this, you would never go to the like happier like i'm using air quotes like happier major version of the key but there is a bit of like an uplifting like happiness through catharsis aspect to this song right um and that is again really added to by those guitars hitting those power chords on those um on those words that part like every time the chorus comes around is really exciting for me to hear i think that actually adds to also like the control that she has it's like she she's the one in power she's not angsty she's not like this is not the part where she's dealing with her hurt this is the part where she's just like taking charge which i i think that's that adds to that you know asserting like asserting this like you know dominant like happy happy catharsis kind of chord you know what i mean like major mm, chord. yes um, yes i think that adds to that not something that fits into any of my analysis only you're like talking about parts of being like out of control and back in control but i just want to tip my hat to the the fiddle player who does this really mm. crazy like almost out of tune trill getting into verse two it, it's it's just really wild I, if you haven't heard it on your listen just listen to that as it ends the first course and gets into verse two there's a really out of control fiddle trill there now the other parts of this song that i really like in the bridge the buildup where she's singing all those no's, the no, 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 no. And on the last one, the guitar has this amazing slide and drop out that it's almost like the rug being swept out from under you. Like the ground is shifting. It's like, I, I hadn't even come out at this moment, but it's like the moment in Inception where like, you know, the floor is now the ceiling and the walls are shifting. And that like, that is what that guitar slide encapsulates all in that one moment. as she's like sh- getting more and more into shouting her nose. Um, that moment is just so incredible as it builds into that last chorus. Um, and then we don't have the opted up notes, which is really disappointing. But um, mm-hmm. at the end of the song, we do have a, uh, uh, you should have had um no baby and you might still have me and she ends on the G and then slides down to the E so me so it's like it, it's happy but it's also or still angry and to like reinforce that um 
like a beat or two after that, the guitar then does the same slide from G to E. So it's not just a choice. Um, it's, or it's, it's not just like an impromptu thing. It's something that they decided they were both going to do. And it sort of reinfor uh, it, it reinforces that like, no, we're still really angry about this. I'm not happy. <laughs> um, all right. Should have said no. Universally beloved. Everyone said there's, there's nothing that could be criticized about it. Um, <laughs> and um, now let's get into Mary's song. Um, oh, my, my, my. I was just going to say, my impression, just looking at the song, I was like, is it going to be about the Virgin Mary? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then honestly, listening to it, I was like, okay, it's not. Um, I was like, it's, 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 I don't know. No. It's a story. I feel like it's kind of like a discount. You belong with me. It's like the, the before she was ready. But also I was like, okay, Mary's song. So is it? Wait, is this good? And then I was like, no, no. no <laughs> and then I was like, hold on. It also has it has a lot of um, we live in the South energy. Um, and then it also has a lot of, I, I didn't understand. I was like, wait, aren't you 16? Why are you talking about like your full, like, do you remember when we were married? And I get it, but I was like, I'm lost. Anyways, I'm lost in this song. I'm lost. Yeah, I don't think this song is a... I think this song might be about, like, her neighbor or something. I don't think it's about, like, a relationship she had. I think it's one of the ones where she's, like... She saw a relationship and she wrote about that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, um... I didn't have a lot of notes on this one. I know a lot of people yeah. really like this one, but for me, it was kind of a big shrug of a song. Um, right. <laughs> um, for positives, um... I really liked... There's, um... In the chorus, there's, um... The... That melody and there's like it, it it doesn't change as the chords shift underneath it, which I thought was a nice tension. So you have the like whatever it is, but I thought that like the way the chords started to shift away while she like stayed in that one melody was a nice way of pulling at the heartstrings. And I also noticed that um, the verse or, or the the verse was basically like uh, a D chord. In this, uh, with an A in the bass, so in, in, in one inversion, so um, and then like you shift up an inversion for the chorus to like bring you to the top of her register. So you go from here to here. So it's basically the same melody, just moving the A from the bass to the top, which I thought was a really interesting compositional technique. I hear what you're saying about You Belong With Me. To me, it was more of a proto love story because she has the whole bridge mm, with like the you, down on one knee and then no, you get the big, right. yeah. And then you get Sorry. the whole like big relationship. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like, it seems like there, she had some thoughts that would entirely. be, it's just like very like, yeah. Girl next door kind of, you know? Yeah. I think there are things on the song that she would like refine and mm -hmm, other yeah. later songs. Okay, our final song, because nobody listened past to this song um, thinking <laughs> that <laughs> they're responsible for it. <laughs> so we have not just any song, but in fact, our song. Our song. Um, and we have another one-note melody song to drive home the lyrics. So what do we think? This song? Yes. I had the most sentimental attachment going into this mm -hmm. album listening, too. This was like one of like the few songs that I like had on my iPod. I mm, like what I was like, I'm going to pick six songs <laughs> and put them on my iPod and I will listen to only <laughs> those six songs. And this one made the cut. Um. Um, yeah. So I listened to our song a lot. And so I 
you know, sentimental attachment's a big thing for listening to songs. It's, like, already, like, a few steps up. Um, but I was, like, this is, I feel like, again, a very, like, new way to, like, articulate the idea behind this song. Mm-hmm. Like, taking all of these little moments and being, like, to me, this is our song. Yeah. And, like, finding a way to, like, put a lot of, like beauty and weight into like the mundane quote unquote Mm -hmm. of a relationship like the everyday just like occurrences um and i really appreciate that i think like again like the the imagery is very nice and just like i get a very clear sense of like the relationship being um described and i appreciate that and i find it very sweet i agree i think i think that some of the settings of the text are like just spectacular and i love in the last chorus that she really changes it up so much and like plays with rhythm a ton um i was thinking back to when you were saying in in pressure burn how you really liked the sort of spoken lines as they added to her her, like personality your sense of her personality and i feel like for me really in this one some of the just like some the ways that she sings some of the words like really like gets to me in that in that same way like i think of um Cause it's late and your mama don't know just like the way she says, like your mama don't know. Like, I don't know. Mm. It's like you, you get this very like cozy, like secretive feeling, um, from her. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, I think this is obviously a fantastic song. I think it's interesting or just kind of funny, like how Christianity ends up tying into it. Like, <laughs> and, the, and the, cause we haven't really seen any like biblical or, you know, like Christian allusions throughout the rest of the, depending album, on your interpretation which, of Mary, uh, of Mary's sure. song. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like the famous love story of Mary and Joseph. <laughs> Taylor Swift captured it in a song. Wait, is Taylor um, Swift a uh, Christian rock? <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was interesting in terms of like, how that plays into the country genre and like the fact that she has only it, I mean, it doesn't feel like overly Christian either. Like it's just, yeah. I don't know, like a lot of people pray like in general in, in and out of like um, that faith. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. And then again, I think that she, the fact that she ends on the first lyric again yeah, um, at this end of the album. <laughs> um, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a really good closer. Yeah, I I agree with so much what you said, and even beyond um, just the like delivery of like her, her vocal delivery of some of the lines. There was um, moments like after she says everything that day. There's like a twangy response from the guitar, or shortly thereafter, they um, she says lost and thrown away, and then they like they wait, and then they all launch in in this like tight harmony, and I think. It, this is a great example of what makes her music so uh, successful in that there's lots of moments to latch on to. It's like, oh, that's a great moment, and that's the thing I look forward to in this song. Or this is this is the moment that speaks to me, and this is what I look forward to and why I would listen to this song again. There's just so many special moments yeah. throughout, the, um, throughout the song, whether it's lyrically or delivery, the, the way it's delivered yeah. or the instrumentation. Um, um, or the, I, I notice a part where um, towards the end you have this, um, you know, the, the melodic hook is... Um, and um, towards the outro, you have it like double timing. So it's like ha- happening 
um, twice as fast. It feels extra exciting. And then she's sort of ending it with the uh, play it again. And it's, you know, it's like the end of the album. So it's like, you should play the album again. There's a little wink, wink there. Um, And then she ends with, uh, and I wrote down our song. And I think that is, that's my thesis point for the album. That's like what ties everything together. Because that recontextualizes so much of what she's been saying throughout the album. Um, Like she's found a song of her own and she's like, she's reclaiming the defining moments in her life through her own pen and through her own power. And if you go back through the album, you find so many moments where she's talking about other people's songs, you know, you know, I hope you think our favorite song or he's the song in the car. I keep singing. There was something Mm -hmm. I missed where you're talking about her, her car and her old blue jeans on her radio and her old blue jeans on, Mm -hmm. um, or he's a smile or, or he smiles. It's like the radio or um, strange to think that the songs we used to sing, the smiles of flowers, everything is gone. And she's saying, you know what? I, I, I'm tired of my life being defined by like other people's narratives, other people's songs. This is wow. my moment to like craft my own song. And this whole album where I've been talking about other people's things, it's actually me defining my own narrative and me like reclaiming the heartbreak and the ecstasy and all the those defining moments in her life thus far. Um, and wow. I think that's why it's so wonderful that she decided to end to end the album on this wrote down our song and if you notice it's one of the songs that doesn't um end on the on the one chord it ends unresolved so it's like she's telling you she's like established in a place in this world and um some of the other songs we talked about that she has like a lot to say and she's going to do things you don't expect and that basically by writing down this song and ending the album this way that she has a lot more to say and this is just the beginning this is just a, like a introductory thesis statement wow um, <laughs> i have nothing more to say after that it's beautiful. Great. Ah. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I had really a, a great, amazing launching point for well, and, and it, yeah, yeah. I couldn't have said it better and I'm not going to yeah. try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she even says, she says herself, I heard every album, listened to the radio, waiting for something to come along. That was as good as our song. And she's saying, you know what? Boys, you know move what? aside. I'm the best thing. I'm the yeah. one who can really define these moments, not just for me, but for an entire generation, an entire, like, you know, Western pop culture now with the, like, number one critically acclaimed album and best-selling album and now two best-selling albums of the year. Like, she really, she she said she's going to make the best, and she she has at and this point. So, um, yeah. but, yeah, that's that's basically, that is Taylor Swift's debut album. Um, some hits, some misses, but overall... She was 14 when she wrote it? I'm not going to knock her. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. All right. Um, That's um, it? Everybody on three. Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Strong finish. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to our very first episode. Taylor, as well as our backing music, is produced by me, Daniel Slade Rosen. Special thanks to Kirsten Drossel for our beautiful cover art. If you want to support us, please make sure to rate and review this podcast, or just make sure to recommend it to a friend, because, hey, who doesn't need a little extra simulated social interaction these days? We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.